The opinions and views expressed in this program do not reflect those of KUCI, its management, or the UC Board of Regents. To find out more about this talk show or other talk shows broadcasting on KUCI, log on to our website at KUCI.org or check out the latest program guide. Good morning. You're listening to KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine, California. Streaming online at KUCI.org and podcasting on iTunes. Welcome to Prescriptions for Healing Conflict. I'm Lloyd, the show's engineer. Your host is Mari Frank, an attorney mediator since 1985. She's the author of several books, including Negotiations, Breakthroughs, and Fighting for Love. She's a mediator for the Orange County Superior Court Civil Mediation Panel, and she privately mediates business, employment, divorce, and other civil cases in her private practice in Laguna Niguel, California. Mari's a professor of negotiations and conflict management and has been a certified state bar trainer for over 25 years. She teaches leadership and conflict management courses at Brandman University and here at UCI. She also trains corporate leaders powerful communication and conflict transformation skills. To learn more about this show and our great guests, please visit conflicthealing.com. Samari, who's your guest today? Well, today we have a wonderful guest coming to us from Florida. He is an author of this great new book. His name is Panash Desai, and his new first book is Discovering Your Soul Signature, A 33-Day Path to Purpose, Passion, and Joy. Let me tell you a little bit about our guest. Panash is a contemporary thought leader and author whose message of love and acceptance has drawn thousands of people from around the world to his seminars and workshops. He's a, sought, he's a highly sought-after speaker. And he has been featured in print, broadcast media, and online. And he actually appeared on Oprah Winfrey on the Emmy Award-winning own series, Super Soul, uh, Super Soul Sunday. And was featured on the their 2013 season finale, Soul to Soul, Asking Life's Big Questions. He's a featured speaker for Omega Institute for Holistic Studies and the Kripal... Kripalu Center for Yoga and Health, and he has addressed United Nations Enlightenment Society, and in spring 2014, he was a featured speaker at the third metric conferences hosted by Ariana Huffington. He's also collaborated internationally with Dr. Michael Bernard Beckwith and several others, including Brian Weiss, who I did training with and loved. He's the one who wrote Many Masters, Many Lives, Many Masters. So he's done some wonderful things. And we're just really excited to have him join us and talk to us. So thank you so much, Panesh, for joining us. I'm very excited to be here. Terrific. So, Panesh, tell us, you know, I I just got your book, so I haven't finished reading it, but I've been reading a little bit about your how you even kind of evolved. Can you tell a little bit about, you know, the story that you told in the introduction about kind of like how you got to be, you know, find yourself? Well, I've been told my whole life that I was here to do something, and um, I found it categorically implausible that I was here to be who everyone was telling me I was here to be. Being Indian, born into a spiritual family in London, on the weekends we'd go see spiritual teachers from all backgrounds and all parts and all traditions. And um, upon meeting them, every single one of them would say, we've been waiting for you, thank you for incarnating, and I, of course, found this the most humorous thing <laughs> I'd ever heard. Um, also, there was a part of me that internally rejected it because above and beyond everything else, I just wanted to be normal. 
Right. And so needless to say, my life was a very interesting journey of um, being told that I was here to do something that was going to impact millions of people and um, categorically resisting it uh, out of fear that it may be true. Um, subsequently, life happened, and uh, I was very empathic, very open young man, and um, could feel everything and everybody, began to know everything and everybody, and uh, had a very hard time navigating life in London. I got to a point in my life where the, the pain had gotten to a, a point that was just unworkable to where I had to find an escape. At that point, music came into my life in my uh, late teens and early 20s, and um, that exploration um, completed about 2001, and I felt drawn to then go on retreat to actually see if there was any validity to everything that everyone had been sharing my whole life. And so uh, went away for six months, just lived like a monk, lived a very simple life. It was awful. Um, had to deal with everything inside of me, and there was an endless buffet of tofu and kale. Um, <laughs> swiftly began to move through everything I had through to inside of me and um, started to begin to experience what I've lovingly come to call now vibrational density. And vibrational density is the sum total of our unexpressed emotional content that accumulates inside of us that shadows our soul's innate ability to inform our life. And so um, I get to a point in 2002 where I'm finally just sitting on the sofa and I'm saying, all right, God, if you indeed exist, because I was still kind of on the fence, and um, if you're real and I'm here indeed to be some sort of messenger, then I have to experience who or what you are, because until then I have plausible deniability. So if you exist, then show me. And in that moment, I began to have what I can only describe as an accelerated catharsis, um, all of the density that I'd accumulated inside of me began to wash through me until eventually I was left in a place of absolute clarity, a place in which I was able to exist and access a subtler plane of existence or dimension that we all have access to, which is this divine realm. And the energy there was just one of love. No judgment, there was no acceptance, there was nothing that needed to be, nothing that needed to become. And in that moment, I realized that we've got God all wrong, completely wrong. And that ultimately this energy that's the root cause of all the creation is just love. And it operates under the principle of acceptance. And so in that moment, I could no longer deny who I was. I finally came to the conclusion that all of these orange-garbed wise men actually had some level of intuitive ability to the point where they were able to let me know who I was. And at that point, I stopped resisting and then um, proceeded for the next three to six months to live in a state of absolute connection. Mm. Um, after that six-month window disappeared, uh, basically got to a point where the shard of my personality that remained came back so that I could then begin this next phase of being a loving reminder to everyone um, of who they really are, how they can access their dynamic potential, and most importantly of all, how they can master the material world. Wow. So, you know, I only have like little brief times of that when I'm meditating where I feel that I am really at, at a deep level and there is nothing you know, but love around, but it doesn't, it, it, when I go back into the real world, I have to keep reminding myself, reminding myself. So is that my ego getting in the way? What is that getting in the way? Well, I think, first of all, we have to, as a community, get over the systematic demonization of our ego mm -hmm. by understanding its function. So you, my dear, have an ego so that you can express yourself uniquely. In the absence of your ego, you'd be a drooling zombie, and it would be really bad for radio. <laughs> So thank God you have an ego. And the reason why I say that is I think that the New Thought Movement and the spiritual community in particular has demonized the ego. It's like we blame the ego for everything, and actually the ego isn't the problem. What I've discovered is it's our unprocessed pain that is really the root cause of all separation, that's really the root cause of all inner conflict. 
Mm. And that actually, when we begin to turn and face it and muster up the courage to finally experience it, we begin to access something that I've called authentic transparency. And that is a state in which your ego and your soul actually come into complete alignment mm. to the point where all that exists is absolute authenticity. Right. So if I consider, if I, if I kind of, in my own mind, kind of look at what, what is going on with my higher self and, and my ego and all that, sometimes I, I, I think of it like people sitting around a table, and I've got the, the higher self is at the head of the table trying to organize everybody and keep them in, in divine order. <laughs> and then there's, you know, the ego and the different emotions, the anger, the pain, the, all that stuff. And they're kind of like trying to be the mediator of all these things. Is it kind of like that? Yes, but there's nothing to mediate. I, I found that the, uh, the, the, the quickest way to resolve that is for the two parties to just hug each other, which I'm sure you wish would occur in many of your mediations. Right, right. But, that, but that's ultimately it, because I think, again, you know, what's happened in the modern spiritual landscape is that, you know, we've got a lot of tour guides who haven't been to the place that they're giving you a tour of. Mm-hmm. And I think that that allows us as a community to only deal with a partial equation. We don't have the complete equation for transformation. Mm-hmm. And so what I've discovered is a complete trans- tra- equation for transformation, that actually it's not just about our thoughts, it's not about our ego, it's not about our mind, it's not about our body, but actually it's about accessing that transcendent part of ourselves and then embracing our humanity. And so I guess transformation occurs when the personality and the soul embrace each other. And what that means is the doorway to our divinity is through our humanity. It's mutual acceptance, huh? Mutual acceptance. Exactly, because ultimately there's nothing wrong with anybody. Right. It's only our distorted lens of perception that allows us to come to that conclusion. It's like having a biased judge. (laughs) Right don't stand a chance, do you? Because you're always going to be guilty. You're always going to be unworthy. You're always going to be found, um, you know, to be inadequate. You're always going to be sentenced to some life of less than because, oh, well, you're profoundly human. So obviously then you're guilty. Mm. When the truth is our humanity isn't the issue. And the more we can begin to accept our humanity and the more we can begin to accept our emotional state of being and the more we can begin to know ourselves and then bring that acceptance to ourselves the more we begin to love ourselves. And then our life transforms in a way that's authentic and sustainable. It isn't then being a bliss bunny or it isn't a spiritual bypass. It's actually an authentic state of embodiment that is felt by those mm-hmm. around us. Mm-hmm. You know, we're seeing a, a resurgence of emotional intelligence, mindfulness, all that is, I think people are, are desperately looking for a way to unite, to, to have that mutual acceptance within ourselves. So I think this is a perfect time for your book, Discovering Your Soul Signature. So let's talk about what you mean exactly by soul signature. Our soul is our essential self. It's our authentic self. It's our spiritual DNA. It is who we are at our core beyond the body and the mind. Mm. So the soul, if, if I'm asking you, is the soul the thing that transcends from, from this plane to a future or past lives or, or in between? What is it? You know, because I, I, you know, when I read uh, Brian Weiss and I took a, a full day workshop with him and has read a lot of his stuff and other people on many lives, many masters. So are, are you saying that the soul is really the thing that transcends from body to body or 
from from body to whatever? Well, I guess what I'm saying is that the soul is a particle of perfection that transcends time and space. Okay. Okay. So each of us has our own signature, which is our is our life purpose. Is that what it is? Well, no. Each of us is here to leave our unique mark on reality. And that, again, is why we have our ego. That, that again, is why we have our story. That, again, is why we've had the collective experiences that we've had as a part of our life, so that we can bring forth our unique contribution. And so then simply stated, our purpose is to fully be ourselves, the one thing that we are, as a species, fundamentally allergic. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, the genre for this show is conflict healing. Conflict healing. And I see, you know, like Martin Buber says, all conflict comes from within. Do you think that's part of the problem, is that we are within we are in conflict with the emotions within us and our souls in conflict with whatever else is going on in our minds? I think it's absolutely the, the, the biggest problem that humanity faces because ultimately we've compartmentalized ourselves. We have acceptable parts of us. We have parts that aren't acceptable. We have parts that are worthy, parts that are unworthy. And in that bifurcation of who we are, naturally we've set up uh, a breeding ground for conflict because those two polarities have to bump up against each other. And in that reality, one has to be more dominant and better than the other one. Well, actually, what I found is that most of the conditioning that we've received and most of the societal norms that have been placed upon us are nothing more than hypocrisies. And ultimately, the more we begin to transcend limited thinking and the limited ability to perceive reality, the more we begin to see that there isn't actually one aspect of humanity that's any higher or greater than another. And actually, it's through acceptance that we begin to experience the innate oneness that lives within us and all around us at all times. So, yes, I would say that that's humanity's greatest problem right now, is that we are in conflict with ourselves, that we are um, actually um, suffering from a conflict of identity. We're we're suffering from um, a a conflict of uh, almost puritanical beliefs with the existence of almost the, um, um, you know, the the, uh, the good and evil all in the same um, dualistic kind of soup and I think what we have to do is to step out of that by beginning to understand that we're all of it and that no part of us is any better than another and that at that point we can begin to access the underlying emotion that's there and accessing it then it begins to move through us and all of a sudden these parts of us are integrated and they mature and they develop and at that point they're no longer a source of conflict but in fact, they're a source of solution. Right. So as we, within ourselves, resolve our own conflicts and, and accept all parts of ourselves in, in a way that's, that's an, an accepting, loving manner, then when we are with other people, we're able to do that as well, to look exactly at... Exactly right, yes. But, you know, we, I think we ultimately have to expand our definition of the word love to be all-inclusive in order to do that. Right, And that means that ultimately the conscious recognition in that moment is then if I'm in the presence of somebody and I'm feeling uncomfortable, what I'm experiencing is mine. If I'm in the presence of somebody and I'm experiencing anger, then the anger that I'm feeling is mine. If I'm experiencing sadness and the sadness is feeling, the sadness that I'm experiencing is mine. If I'm insecure and needing to compensate, well, then that's my own insecurity. Ultimately, the only place where conflict needs to be resolved is within the individual. Right. Because when it is resolved within the individual automatically you access this dimensional plane that's always here, that's always existed, that every great being has spoken of. And then you start to see ultimately that in truth there is no conflict, that conflict in and of itself is a distortion in human perception. 
and it's a distortion in human perception that's held in place by pain. Right, right. So if I if I can deal with my own conflict and accept that even if I'm around someone else, like, but if, if I'm in a place and I see a child crying, I, I'm going to be sad. Or if I see something terrible happening, I'm going to be upset. But it's me that makes myself upset. It's like when people tell me, oh, my husband makes me so mad. And I know in reality, your husband doesn't make you mad. You make yourself mad. You allow yourself to be mad by, by something that they're doing. So I think there there is that that getting to that point of total responsibility for your own emotions and saying, if I'm happy because I'm with you, it's not because you make me happy. It's because I choose to be happy because of the situation I'm in. Is that what you're saying? That's exactly right. And also, I think that, you know, it's, it, it also, um, the ease of that, because it's, it's very um, understandable on a cognitive level, but yet where people have a hard time is because they haven't integrated their own pain they haven't experienced their own vibrational density, so they continue to be triggered. Triggered. They live in a victim mentality. Right. And, of course, because of the dualistic nature of reality, it's easy to pin the tail on the donkey, whoever the donkey is in that particular moment. And maybe the donkey in that moment is your husband or your wife or your boss. But ultimately, you're the only fool in the equation. And at that point, the more you begin to deal with the pain or the density or whatever is inside of you, the more you find that you experience peace. Yes. And peace actually is the experiencing of your enlightenment. When you're at peace, you're experiencing your enlightenment. It is, in fact, the highest state of being. And it is possible to be at peace in every waking moment of life and living. And again, what we have to do is be open to feel and be open to really live and open to experience. At that point, there is no longer any conflict with life. You realize that life is not the enemy. Right, right. So your book basically is to take us on a discovery of our signature, right, in that in that 33-day path. So let's talk about some of the things that you do on that 33-day path that leads you to discover that, that soul signature within us. Well, for me, I didn't want to write just another self-help book. I think that, um, you know, I didn't want to join the, um, that category or that shelf or contribute in any way to the further separation of people from their own source. What I wanted to do was write a how-to guide. And that's what this book is. And it's a systematic progression out of fear into love. It's a, it's a journey out of judgment into acceptance to where people, by the end of it, can begin to have a new perception of themselves and their reality. And they can actually soften in their experience of being human and meet themselves with compassion and empathy instead of the harsh voice of criticism and disdain. Mm. And so what we're, what we're offering people actually is a pathway or a blueprint for people to embody their dynamic potential and to live it, and to exemplify it, and to master the material world. Right, right. You know, I remember when I was in college many years ago, you know, this was the, what was Maharishi was saying as well, and that the pathway really was through meditation and transcending, and transcendental meditation. And, and you know, I can see that. I, I mean, I think that was, you know, when I meditate, um, it, it does help me to get to that point of letting go and, lo- and loving, loving, quote, your enemies, right? Or loving people, even if they do things that are harmful to you. So why is it that we really kind of fall back on judgment and, um, and it's hard to really get toward that place of self-love out in the real world? 
because human beings have an innate need for belonging, and so ultimately because everyone else is doing it, you'll do it. Hmm. And plus, that's the only thing that's been modeled. Right. So we see so much terrorism in, in our world. We see so much hate. Um, you know, I think at the same time, we're also seeing this resurgence or this surgence of of getting to know ourselves, the emotional intelligence, the mindfulness, the the spirituality. I see, I think, again, this duality of being totally into blaming others and totally into being accepting of ourselves and others. So what's going on? What's going on is we're reaching a crescendo. And everywhere where we have repressed or suppressed our true nature, or we've denied our true nature, um, everything that's in the way of us fully owning that is beginning to bubble to the surface. Mm. And so we're in the midst of an evolution that's already occurred, and we're very blessed in the fact that we get to observe firsthand this evolution as it's playing out in front of our eyes, that in truth has nothing to do with who we are and the level of our personality. Mm. So basically, humanity's along for the ride, and this evolution is nothing more than the maturing of an immature species into a way of being in which love dominates, and love ultimately becomes the reason and the cause, and love becomes a sole purpose. Mm. So, for, for us, for you know, we're on the campus of the University of California, Irvine, so we have young people, but we also have business people driving by, and then many people that listen to our podcast. So, what does it mean to live an authentic life? You know, here we are in Southern California, and everybody's got their their fancy cars and their clothes and all this stuff. And um, what does an authentic life look like? Living an authentic life means being at absolute peace with oneself and being completely at home inside of one's body at all times. So what it's, I, not about, it's not about the external trappings of life. You understand that you're not those things. Right. Um, although you're sold a bill of goods that fame and fortune are actually the solution to your woes, they're not. I just have to tell you, they make you more alone and more miserable than you've ever felt. And so at that point, what we're, what we're prompted to do in living an authentic life is to be honest, is to be profoundly honest with ourselves about ourselves at all times. And in that honesty the distance between who you are as a personality and who you are as a soul begins to, begins to dissolve until eventually there is no separation at all. And so authenticity and truth is nothing more than the alignment of personality and soul. So for people who are listening that think, God, this is so wonderful, and yeah, I'd, I'd love to do it, how can we release these limitations that hinder our ability to live that kind of a life? Well, I invite you to go on the journey of the book. I think that Really, um, you know, the way it was structured is really the answer to that question, and actually it was that question that prompted the writing of the book. And so if you are interested in embarking on a journey of authenticity and really um, discovering who you are and moving into a, a depth of connection that, you know, we've been told is available to us, but you actually really want to experience it, then go on the journey of discovering your soul signature, because that will, that will ultimately support you step by step in shifting your perception around different aspects of yourself and also opening up to this, um, to this other dimension of who we are, this dimension of feeling, this dimension of experiencing, this dimension in which creativity and innovation and inspiration is born from. And so um, the answer to, to your question is really the book, and, and that's ultimately what prompted me to write it. Right. So if you were in, in um, a workshop and you wanted to give maybe the uh, uh, broad brushstrokes 
of some of the some of the skills or some of the steps that we need to take? Could you just give us a couple of them? Well, the first thing is that meditation in, in the modern world has become too prescriptive. And it's almost like a cell phone plan. So what it does is compartmentalize our ability to connect. And so what I've actually uncovered is a way to um, turn your life into a living meditation. And that is to rest in the awareness of your breath, just to observe the inhalation and exhalation in every moment. Mm-hmm. And to just constantly rest in the awareness of your breath. That transforms your life into a living meditation. It takes the mundane and makes it sacred. Um, second thing is to begin to lovingly start to accept all that you are. To really begin to lovingly accept everything that you've been taught you need to reject, everything that you've been taught you need to compensate for or apologize for. My deepest wish is that you become unapologetically who you are by lovingly accepting all that you are and understanding that enlightenment isn't the absence of neuroses, it is actually just becoming peacefully neurotic. You know, it's funny, I recently had a couple uh, in my office and um, one of the parties was saying, you know, this is the way I am. I, I just, you know, I just see the world in a pessimistic way. <laughs> and, um, and I said, well, gee, you know, you have the power to change your thinking. You know, you have the power to say, you know, that that was the past. That's how I used to think. But I don't have to think like that anymore. But I think it's a, it's a for someone who hasn't had that opportunity to, to see how to change, how do you do that? How? See, but that, that's a perfect example of what's happening in the world. And in that moment, you just smeared your own essence over that individual instead of just accepting that that's their worldview and there's nothing wrong with that. And I think that ultimately we have to prioritize ourselves and not focus on other people. It's not about anyone else. Right. It's about us fully accepting and embracing who we are, and it's really an individual journey. Um, not to the point where, you know, as, as in most spiritual pursuits, it becomes narcissistic, and, um, you, you know, but ultimately to the point where you cultivate a level of self-knowledge and self-acceptance to then where you can be effective and make a difference and be a contribution. So if someone... Realize it, that that's yeah. all there is to do. If someone says that, you know, I'm pessimistic and I, and I get depressed easily and all this stuff, yeah. and, and, and I say to them, okay, so, so that, that's the past, and do you, you know, would you, do you want to be like that? Do you want to be like that? But and if the that, answer is that, no, I don't want to be like that. Right. But so, in, that, in that, even your questioning is an indication of your own inability to be with whatever's going on in that individual. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. When in truth, the only, the only response that was required there was a hug. Now, in this case, it's your client. I'm not sure that it's appropriate, but if it is, and you're allowed to hug as mediators, I'm not sure what mediators Right, do. which I did meet, I did hug them at the end. Yeah, but I think sometimes that somebody needs to say, well, is that, are you comfortable with that? Are you comfortable with that? If you're comfortable with that, that's that's your choice, that you're comfortable with that, and that's okay. But if you're not comfortable with that, what can you do? And I think well, that goes to the that goes to the heart because some people want to get where they are pure love, like you're talking about, yeah. but they they need some guidance. They do. However, love being all inclusive is inclusive of depression. Yes, and it's inclusive of pessimism. And and that's why I just say to people, please leave people alone. You're not here on a crusade to, to, to transform the world. That is so arrogant. 
you're here to fundamentally abide in your own connection and the world will take care of itself. And actually, you'll realize that there isn't an issue in the world or in anybody else. You'll realize that. Well, and, when somebody, and if somebody actually approaches you and asks you, then by all means. Well, yeah. that's what happened. I mean, it was asking yeah. because th- there was the, because of the situation of trying to help these people to to keep together. That yeah. was the issue. So they're saying, "What so can we do?" Yeah. So they so were the asking. I mean, I wasn't just you know I was getting paid right, for. Right. It. <laughs> so the, yeah. The only way to the only way to to really navigate that scenario is to help them embrace the depression and the pessimism because in accepting that as a part of themselves naturally they'll begin to access the underlying emotional content there right. and be open to experiencing it. Right, and then seeing if that's what they want to continue to do. But we are out of time, so that was really an, an interesting conversation. Panache, decide, just give your name of your book and your website and it's really time to go, okay? My book is the um, Discovering Your Soul Signature, A 33-Day Path to Purpose, Passion, and Joy. My website is panachedesai.com, P-A-N-A-C-H-E-D-E-S-A-I.com, and I look forward to connecting with you. Okay, take care, Pasha. That's great to talk to you. Bye-bye. Bye. You've been listening to KUCI 88.9 FM and Irvine and KUCI.org on the net. I'm Mari Frank. Join us every Monday morning at 8.30 a.m. and visit our website at conflicthealing.com. Thanks. It's about trust. The opinions and views expressed in this program do not reflect those of KUCI, its management, or the UC Board of Regents.